0: And so here we are, 1 John 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 19. And I, I know that you've stood a couple of times, I'm going to ask you to do that again, if you're able to do so, for the reading of the scriptures. Just be glad we're not Catholic. You'd be up and down all night. Uh, actually, have, is anyone here from a Catholic background, or you've been in churches like that? I'm right, aren't I? Uh, we don't sit and stand as much as they do. And uh, actually Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, don't believe you should sit in church. And so they have, they stand and they have kneelers. And so they're kind of up and down from their knees to their feet. That's, so you've got it easy. We cushy Baptists here, all right? Uh, but we're going to stand and read beginning in verse number 19 of 1 John 3. It says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Amen. That's a wonderful truth. And knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight as we open your word, As always, we need help from the Holy Spirit to uh, open our eyes and to to enlighten us and give us understanding. Lord, it's it's one thing to grasp the concept of what the book is saying, but it's another thing to receive the truth into our lives, and we need your Spirit for that. Uh, The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. But Lord, we have your spirit. We have the mind of Christ. Would you help us tonight to understand your word in that way? And I pray that if there be anyone here that is just struggling with doubts of salvation, that tonight they would come to understand the truth about themselves according to your word. And Lord, that. That by that, if they are lost, that they would get saved. If they are saved, that they would rest in the assurance and the confidence of knowing you. Lord, just work among us, we pray, and and help us to remember the truths that are presented here tonight. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I mentioned a moment ago that I believe... That one of the great problems, one of the great needs uh, that Christians have and struggle with is this issue of assurance of their salvation. How, how do I know that? Because uh, I personally have experience with that. There was a time in my life that I struggled with the assurance of my salvation, and I'll mention in a few moments why that was and what was going on in my life, but also I can tell you that I've pastored people for long enough uh, to know that this is one of the great needs uh, in churches today, uh, there are people that have struggled uh, to really know how do I really know that I'm saved? I think I am. I, I I have a testimony of salvation, but how do I really know that I'm saved? And I'm not just talking about people that are kind of you know new Christians or maybe from some kind of a false religion where there's some uh, uh, false teaching that's kind of fogging their mind, I'm talking about people who uh, should know the truth, they, their, their testimony is that they were saved many years ago, they've been in a Bible preaching church, I mean I'm talking about uh, deacons and Sunday school teachers and, and missionaries and, and, and people who are serving and, and soul winners and, and people that, are, that if they'll be honest would say, you know there are times that I really struggle with the assurance of my salvation. It's a strange thing, but it's a reality. On the other side of that, there are some people that, though I don't know their heart, God knows their heart, I have some very serious questions about their salvation. Uh, Their testimony maybe is a little bit questionable, and certainly their life doesn't seem to bear out the fruit of salvation, yet they seem to be totally content and comfortable where they are. I think both, sides of that coin are a problem and that's where the lord has given us his word to make it clear you see our salvation is not dependent upon anything except thus saith the lord this is what god said how can we know that we are saved and on our way to heaven how can i know today that i am a child of god well i know it on the authority of the word of god that's where my assurance comes from god said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God said that I would be saved by calling upon the name of the Lord. God uh, changed me, and according to his word, that's evidence and fruit of salvation in my life. And it all anchors back to the word of God. He's given us his word, and therein lies the truth about where we stand. And so tonight as we... Look at this passage of Scripture. I want to point out to you, in verse number 19, there's a consciousness that we are to consider here. A consciousness. In verse number 19, he says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. Now, I want you to notice those words, Hereby we know. He doesn't say, Hereby we think. That we are of the truth. Hereby we feel we are of the truth. He's talking about a knowledge that we have. A confidence that we can have. That is rooted in knowledge. This is an objective truth. I know that I am of the truth. I know that I am a child of God. Hereby do we know. Well what's he talking about? What is the hereby? Well the previous Uh, Two chapters, really, and and all of of chapter 3 has dealt with, as we mentioned this morning, uh, the evidence of God's work in our lives. Our lifestyle that has changed, it's different because of Christ. And the love that we have that is only a result of the work of Christ in our hearts and flowing through us. And so, hereby do we know, how do we really know that we're saved? What he's talking about in connecting these thoughts is that it is by the working of God in us that we can have this confidence. This isn't just some uh, random thing that's thrown out there. Just, just believe and cling to it. You know, just hope so. Convince yourself. That's not what he's saying. We know because there is evidence. The evidence is in the work of God in our lives. Now, I want, I want you to be aware that this is not connected to a feeling. Hereby, we do know That we are of the truth. I think this is very important. It's important because we have a tendency sometimes to base uh, our beliefs on what we feel. Rather than what we know. But what matters tonight is really not what you feel. It's what you know. This is objective. And I want to ask you, can you point to God's work in your life? Can you look within and and look back on your life and and show that God has been at work? Remember, this book, and particularly this letter, the the book of 1 John, is all about that. It's a a litmus test. Here is the fruit of a child of God. Here is the evidence of those who are not of the truth, but who are children of the devil. And there's a comparison. There's a contrast there. And so... It's kind of like a mirror that reveals to us where we really are. I want to say to you as well that this was something that the Lord used in my life. I mentioned a moment ago that I would share with you what was going on when I was doubting my salvation. For those of you who don't know, I was raised in a Christian home. And I was going to church from the time I was just a little baby. I, I knew the gospel before I could understand the gospel. You know what I mean by that? if you would have asked me how does a person get saved long before I really recognized my need for Christ I understood I knew what the right answers were and then there came a point in my life as a young boy that I came to understand my sinfulness my separation from God my need for Christ and at the time I thought that I was saved because I had you know understood these things I'd probably prayed a prayer hundreds of times you know asking Jesus to save me, but there, there was an awareness that that I came to as a young boy that I was lost and on my way to hell, that I needed Jesus, and I turned to him and placed my faith in him, and I was born again, and it was about a year later that uh, I ended up getting baptized, and that was <clears throat> because my parents and my pastor really wanted to make sure that I understood and 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 that I wasn't just jumping into something without having the full understanding, and, and they wanted to be confident that I had really gotten what I said I had gotten, and I appreciate uh, parents and a pastor who were concerned uh, of, about making sure that I was really saved, and that I knew what I was getting into, if I could put it that way. I got baptized shortly after I got baptized, I was sitting in church on a Sunday night, and we had a missionary in, a missionary that was going to Chile. I don't remember his name. I don't remember what he preached. But I remember sitting there and listening to him say something to the effect of, if God called you to go to Chile, would you go? And, and as a, I don't know, seven-year-old boy sitting there in the pew, it, it was as if God said to me, would you go? And I just remember right there in my pew, I, I said to the Lord, I don't know if I verbalized it, but I clearly said to the Lord, I will go. Man, when the invitation started that night, I hit the altar and I cried out to God. I said, Lord, if you want to use my life, if you put a calling on my life, I'm yours. You do with me whatever you want to do. And from that point forward, I lived under the understanding that God had called me to preach the gospel. I, I knew that I, I lived in that reality but because i was raised in a christian home and knew a lot about the bible i kind of really depended on that more than a, a daily walk with the lord and i really never established a close walk with the lord it came to a point in my early teen years that i started to get friends in the world started working in the world and and i became curious about the things of the world and just kind of started living for myself, living for the things of the world, still going to church, looking like a good Christian kid to everyone that I thought should think I was a good Christian kid, but but pretty much my life to anyone else would have looked like an unbeliever. I mean, I was just all about me, I was all about the things of the world, and always had that idea, that mentality, that one day, because of God's calling on my life, I'm going to finish high school, I'm going to get right with God, and go off to Bible college, and and uh, then I'll serve the Lord. And I've told you before that what happened was I finished high school and, and, I, and I fulfilled half of that commitment. I went off to Bible college and I started serving. But I missed that step in between where you get right with God. <laughs> and I started doing outwardly all these things more than I'd ever done. I was preaching uh, constantly I was running bus routes I was taking classes I was studying the Bible I was, I was involved in all kinds of areas of service and yet I was getting farther and farther and farther away from God in my heart because I wasn't walking with him and it came to a point at 19 years old that I, I really had gotten to a point I just I didn't even know what I believed anymore I didn't know what was true do the things that I believe are they only because it's what I was taught Am I really saved? What is salvation? I mean, I was just, I was, by, by, I think you'll understand what I mean, I was lost. I wasn't spiritually lost, but I, in my mind, in my heart, I was confused. I had no idea where I stood. And boy, I wrestled with that for a time. And finally, I remember one day after times of going to the altar in church and saying, Lord, I, I, I want to understand, I want to know the truth. I remember finally holding up a Bible to the Lord it was a little red Schofield Bible I had that my grandpa had given me. I, I was praying to the Lord and I held it up before him and I said, Lord, I'm going to start reading this book from cover to cover for the first time in my life really seeking you. I want to know you and I want you to reveal yourself to me. And, and whatever you show me, I will do. If I am lost and I need to be saved, I'll get saved. If, if I'm in a false religion and I need to believe something else... I'll do that, but I just want to know you. I just want to know the truth. And I began to seek the Lord. Now, at that time, I really believe what's probably going to happen is that through this journey of seeking the Lord, he's going to show me I'm not saved and I'm going to need to get saved. Because that was all the testimonies that I had heard. You know what, be, what began to happen as I started reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures? I began to find confidence in my salvation because I was, I, it was like as I was looking into the Word of God, the Lord was giving me memories of times from that moment of time where I received Christ as my Savior. Moments of time where He was at work in my life, where I would, where I would sit in church, and and even being far from God, where He would speak to me about something, and I, I He would convict me of my sin, and. And where he brought chastening into my life. And, and, and where he was drawing me and working in me. And you know what began to happen is the Lord actually used that to start bringing confidence and assurance of my salvation once again. You see the reason I was doubting. The reason that I was not confident in where I stood is because I was not walking with him. And so my heart was confused. But the Lord used this in my life the, to, to the, his word to illuminate me and show me no you do have the spirit of God in you I have been working in your life there was a change that took place even though you've been walking in the flesh you are still not the same person you are a new creature and and I've been working for that in your life Hebrews 12 talks about the chastening of the Lord and 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 he says there that that the Lord loves uh, or chastens those whom he loves, and he corrects every son whom he receives. And I could look back on my life and say, the Lord was correcting me. The Lord was chastening me. He was at work in my life. And I began to find assurance. Listen, not based on myself, not based on my good works, not based on my feelings, but based on objective evidence of the Spirit of God working in me. Th- that is the, that's the concept here. Hereby we know that we are of the truth. And shall assure our hearts before him. This is a consciousness. It's an awareness. It it is a confidence in our salvation. But then I want you to notice verse number 20. There is a comfort. There's a comfort. Here's what it says. For if our heart condemn us. God is greater than our heart. And knoweth all things. You see. As I said a moment ago. our, Our assurance of our salvation is not. Uh, Based upon a feeling. Because it is very possible for you to feel as though you are not saved, but still be saved. I did. And I'll tell you, it is equally possible for you to feel that you are saved and to not be saved. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus spoke of those who in judgment day will say to him, Lord, Lord... Have we not prophesied in thy name and, and, and cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? I mean, I mean after all, we, we really believed ourselves to be saved. But he said, I'll, I'll say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. So there are people that believe themselves to be saved. They feel saved, but they're lost. But there are also people who are saved but feel lost. So it's really not about our feelings. The problem is that we base so much of our lives on how we feel. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed, and and I really don't try to nitpick, nitpick people's words, but sometimes things just stand out to me a little bit. Uh there was a there was a phrase, I mean it still gets used, but but I mean I grew up hearing the phrase and and, and even saying the phrase. I think this or that. I think, now really we don't want to base everything on what we think either. I mean, what we think isn't always correct. We need to base truth on the word of God, right? But I think this. I think that. You know what has happened? If you listen to people today, the word is now I feel. Just listen to people talk. Oh, I feel like this. I feel like that why well it's not it's the problem is not in the words the problem is in what the words reveal we have gone from a logical society to a feeling-based society We're, we're trusting so much in what our heart tells us i mean we've been fed this from the time we were just little kids follow your heart Let your conscience be your guide. That was Jiminy Cricket's message, right? This is what we've been spoon-fed from the time we were just little. Just go by what you feel. Here's the problem. One day I can feel great, and the next day I can feel terrible. One day everything seems good and seems right, and the next day nothing seems right. and, and, And one day it feels like my relationship with God is good, and the next day I feel like how could God even love me? How could God possibly save me? And here is the comfort that comes from this. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Regardless of how you feel, that, that doesn't matter. Here's what matters. What God knows. That's what matters. What does God know about you? Because God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things... You see, your feelings can be deceitful and they can even be deceiving to you. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, a very famous verse that says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then it asks the question, who can know it? You don't know your heart. I don't know my heart, but God knows our hearts. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's what he sees. And so the question today is not how do you feel. Do you feel like you're in a good standing before God? How do you feel about the Lord? The question is what does God know about you? And what do you know to be true based upon God's word? I want you to hold your place here in 1 John. And go back with me to the book of Psalms if you would please. Psalm 139. Psalm 139 opens with some statements <clears throat> about the Lord and His knowledge of our lives. Psalm 139, verse number 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Verse 6, he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. He says, God, you know things about me that I don't know about myself. He said you understand my thought afar off. Did you know God knows what you're thinking and even what you're going to think? He does. He does. Man, God knows what your wife is thinking. You better get close to him and figure it out. <laughs> Listen, God understands. He said there's not a word in my tongue. Now, a word that's in your tongue, that's before it's spoken. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O oh Lord, thou knowest it all together. The Lord knows the words that you're about to say. Hey, that's better than us sometimes. You ever speak before you think? <laughs> I don't know how many times I was told by my dad growing up, use your brain and think before you speak. Because it happens. Sometimes words just blurt out. God knows them before they are even said. God knows things about you you don't even know about yourself. The very hairs of your head are numbered. And with all of this as background, at the end of the chapter, verse 23, the psalmist says here to the Lord, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. With everything you know about me, God, I want you to do a thorough examination of my heart and my thoughts. And I want you to reveal to me the truth about myself that I do not know about myself. I want you to show me things about me that I am probably too prideful to admit about myself. Search me and know me and show me And lead me. So here's the thing. Regardless of how you feel, here's what matters, what God knows. It's what he knows that matters. And if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. But as we go back to 1 John chapter 3, we've seen there's a consciousness, an awareness, a uh, an absolute objective truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Now he begins to speak of a confidence. Listen to verse number 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So here's the confidence. All right. Let's kind of interpret that a little bit. Here's what he's saying. This confidence that we have in him even results in a confident prayer life. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. Now that might sound like a a work salvation if, if you're not really reading what he's saying. Because look at verse number 23. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son. Did you know Jesus said this is the work of God, to believe on him of whom he hath hath sent? That's, That's the commandment, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved. And then what does that result in? Well, it results in loving one another as he gave us commandment. And it results in that changed lifestyle, that same thing that we've been talking about. If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been a change in your life. That change that has taken place, do not miss this is a result of the working of the Spirit of God in your life. Verse 24, He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. We've spent several weeks talking about the fact that those who are saved ought to live different, and look different, and act different than the world. But can I tell you that that's not a, a, a man-made process. It's not something where we just decide, I'm going to be different, I'm going to clean up my life, I'm going to change myself. It's a change that takes place by the Spirit of God in us. It, it, is, it is Him, it, it, it's His Spirit, it's God that worketh in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Being confident in this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Christ. It is the work of God in your life that changes your lifestyle. This morning we talked about love and the love of a Christian and how different it is from the world. But that love is a result of the Spirit of God in us. It's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. It's the Spirit of God that is making the change in our life. Listen, it is the same Spirit that gives us assurance of our salvation. The same Spirit that changed me, the same Spirit that gave me His love, the same Spirit that is working through me is the same Spirit that in those days and those nights where I lay awake in bed and I wonder, Lord, am I really saved? If I were to die tonight, am am I really okay before You? It's that same Spirit of God that comforts me and gives me that confidence and that assurance. We need to remember that the Holy Spirit, He's not some kind of an impersonal force that just exists. He's a person. We have a relationship with God through our communication with the Holy Spirit. How all of that works, I don't know, but it's Bible. (laughs) It's the Spirit of God that we actually have that communion with. He is working in us. So while salvation is not dependent upon our obedience, there is a sense in which assurance of our salvation is dependent upon our obedience. Let me say that again. Your salvation does not depend on your obedience to God's commandments. Your salvation depends on one thing, Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. But the assurance, the confidence that you have in your relationship with him only comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And if you are not in fellowship with him, if you're not walking step by step with him, Where is your assurance coming from?